but I think it's that initial communication and understanding and focusing more on the outcomes versus the expectations that will help the plan survive good and bad times. This is the Retire Happy Podcast with John Amarino, teaching you each episode about holistic retirement plans. Hello once again, and welcome back to the Retire Happy Podcast. I'm Walter Storholt alongside John Amarino, San Diego's premier holistic retirement advisor. You can find John at gosecurus.com. He is a fiduciary financial advisor at Securus Financial, serving you throughout the San Diego area. And uh, again, gosecurus.com, where you can go to listen to past episodes of the show. And of course, you can subscribe on all your favorite podcasting apps. John, it is great to be with you today. How are you, sir? I am doing good, doing good. How about you, Walter? Yeah, doing great. We've got a good show on the way today. Uh, got lots of good things to talk about, in fact, and uh, lots of good things on the agenda. We've got a listener question coming up at the end of the show today that's going to be from Diane, and Diane has questions about some past medical issues and long-term care insurance, so I think you'll be able to help her out with some guidance there. We're going to talk a little bit about karaoke. John, I'm looking forward to that. That should be pretty fun, getting your... <laughs> your opinions on some karaoke items. And uh, we're going to have a big conversation today about how the customer, you know, that saying the customer is always right. Well, anybody who's actually ever worked in retail can probably say, yeah, right. <laughs> that's, that's not true. The customer isn't always right. And we're going to explore where that also pops up in the financial world. So that should be kind of fun to uh, talk about that as well. John, have you ever worked retail in your life back in your in, in the old days by chance? Yeah. My retail experience would have been in the restaurant industry. So okay. we'll count that. Sure. Yeah, that's definitely that's definitely if, that's the industry where the customer, customer is always right, right? <laughs> right. Oh, that's exactly. Good. So quite the quite the topics there for our 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 only show this month, right? The last show of the year. Yeah, since it's Christmas December, we're just going to do one air. episode so you can take some time off with the family around the holidays. And I know you do a lot of end-of-year reviews with clients. And, you know, December just flies by so fast. We thought we'd just keep it easy with one episode and then hit the ground running in 2021. We, we're limping to the finish line in this crazy year, John. <laughs> yes. But yes. Uh, happy to be able to do one last one to uh, knock off 2020 and look forward to doing the next show once we've turned the calendar page. Before we dive into all of those topics, as we always do, it's time to see what's happening in the news. Extra, extra, read all about it. All right, so John, this was uh, an interesting headline recently. Boeing announced that they'll be moving a large portion of their aircraft production from the Seattle area to South Carolina. An interesting transition for them. How long will it take before all businesses start moving out of states like Washington, Illinois, and California and moving to states with friendlier tax laws. Yeah, well, we've talked about this in the past. Uh, I personally think that the the exodus will continue. I mean, in California, we are seeing what we call the Cal exit. And these states that want to have heavy regulation and, and he heavy tax burdens, you know, you can only tax corporations and the rich so much before those people just say enough's enough. I'm going to go where my dollar goes further. And 
you know, eventually, I don't think every business will will move out. But in California, you know, I they were talking about Elon Musk moving everything to Texas, and we have lost a ton of businesses from California to Texas. And quite frankly, on the retirement uh, aspect, there are a ton of retirees that have moved from California to other states. I mean, you know, we've talked about this in the past. When I opened up as a, a full financial planning firm in late 2012, all my clients, except for one, were based in, in San Diego. And my one other client was in Northern California. Now I have clients in Oregon, Washington, Utah, Nevada, Arizona, Texas, Tennessee. In that eight years, your eight year time period, I just had recently had a client where last year we did a tax pro forma showing if they moved to from California to Nevada and spent the same amount, same amount of money, which you will not do. Um, you know, and I, I mentioned the regulations, you magically go across the border from California to say Arizona or Nevada, all of a sudden gas drops a dollar a gallon. Your electricity goes down from a summer month from $800 a month down to $300 a month. All those additional regulatory costs and, you know, people are are saying this is ridiculous. And with this person, this couple, I said, you know, even if you stayed, even if your expenses stayed the same, which we know it's not going to happen, in taxes alone, they were going to save over one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars in state in state taxes, and that added another six years to their life expectancy of their money. And it was a really a no-brainer for them. You know, you look at that on an individual standpoint, and really in California too. You know how I am a huge tax hawk. It's you know, people have to start looking at, listen, we pay, uh, you know, $3 almost for gas or, or at some stations well over $3 a gallon for gas. If you don't have solar and in the summer you want to keep your house at 78 your electric bill is going to be six, $700. Your water bill is going to probably be 150 bucks. Your registration is going to be, you know, anywhere from 300 to $800 a month to register your car. So all these expenses and our roads are horrible. Uh, we have a high speed train to nowhere that $80 billion of taxpayer money went to nothing. Where's the finished product? And I think people are just realizing, you know what? Enough's enough. And, and, that's on a much bigger level, the companies are doing the same thing. And we're seeing here in California now where there's been proposals that, well, if you leave California, we're gonna, you're still going to pay 10 years worth of taxes because they understand that, that basically the middle class is leaving. Now, you will still get some of the big companies, and I'm not a big lobbying a fan of lobbyists, but you know, you'll have some of these companies that are big 
you know, buddies with the governors and and the our politicians in Sacramento, sure, they'll get their backdoor tax breaks and they'll stay. But I think for the vast majority, this, you know, the hemorrhaging, the hemorrhaging is going to continue until until these taxes or these states realize that a they need to be more fiscally responsible and with that taxes we're just raising taxes and regulations is not the way to stimulate your economy that's you make some great points john and i think that you're obviously seeing firsthand knowledge of all of this on the ground and interestingly i recently looked at the top places to retire in 2020 the uh, u.s news and world report put out a top 15 list and uh, there weren't any California locations on the list, so doesn't sound like people are <laughs> you flocking don't say. to California yeah. for at yeah. least a retirement yeah, destination. You know, San Diego is America's finest city, and everyone will tell you that you know pretty much Southern California has the nation's best weather. But yeah, no one, you know, people are just sick and tired of of the cost and the expenses, and and it's one thing that if, like I said, if you have beautiful freeways or in your roads are well paved and everything is just you you can see where your dollar's going then i think you would have less of an exodus but it's it's like playing that game frogger trying to avoid potholes on every road and you know i think people have had enough and i i know we've had this conversation uh you know, with you living in North Carolina, then in the summertime, you step out of your house and you just start sweating. But there's plenty of people. I've known two people that have made the move from San Diego to North Carolina, and they don't care about the weather. Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, still good as a North Carolinian, still good weather out here for the most part, but a little more humid than you San Diegoans tend to like. Yes, San Diegans, yes. San Diegans? I, was, uh, I knew it didn't have yes. the O in there. <laughs> San Diego. Very yes. good. I'm sure you're tired of hearing that joke after all these years. <laughs> well, very good. So uh, I think that's good takeaways, some good information there, and an interesting headline, Boeing heading to South Carolina with uh, much of their operation. It'll be interesting to see what other big moves companies make once the pandemic comes to a close. I imagine we're going to see a lot of people looking to relocate with maybe different types of commercial you know, needs in terms of space and uh, rentals and, and purchasing commercial property and all that kind of stuff. Uh, that's going to cause even more movement and reevaluation among companies. So I'm sure they won't be the last to make that kind of a transition and a move. Thanks for the takeaways there, John. And uh, let's move into our main topic of the day, talking about the customer. And is the customer always right? That was the old retail world saying, as uh, John and I were talking about. John experienced that in the restaurant industry for many years. Right out of college, John, while I was trying to get a job in my career field, I uh, had a short stint in the uh, Best Buy arena as uh, in a home theater specialist for a little while, and then even worked in appliances, which was pretty funny as a freshly 21-year-old dude trying to sell people washers and dryers like I knew what I was talking about. That was fun. (laughs) In that case, the customer may have always, uh, definitely was probably always right uh, in at least a lot of the cases as um, they they, they tended to know more about using appliances than I did as a straight-out-of-college kid. There was one time, however, if I can share a quick story, where a guy insisted on buying the floor model of the cooktop stove And he would not believe me when I told him he couldn't buy 
the cooktop stove because it was a fake. He would not believe me that they were fake. And I said, no, they don't have any. Yes, the the ovens and the refrigerators, everything you see on the floor is real, that you could take it home, plug it in, and, and use it, but not the cooktops. They are fake. There's no proper hookups <laughs> for them. It will not work. And he insisted on purchasing it because he thought I was, I think technically he thought I was being racist and wouldn't sell it to him um, is, is kind of the allegation that he you know, kind of threw out there. Wow. So I said, fine, I'll sell it to you. <laughs> so sold him a fake cooktop and he came back in the next day and complained that he couldn't, uh, couldn't operate it, but couldn't cook on the fake cooktop. Couldn't cook on it. So came back to return it. And then it was so funny because the people trying to return it were like, how'd you even get this? Like it doesn't have a label on it. There's no SKU number, no nothing. It was, it was pretty hilarious. In any event, that was one case where the customer definitely was not right. Um, when it comes to financial planning, I'm curious if the same goes. Is the customer always right, or are there times where it's not so wise to subscribe to that idea? And I think it kind of makes sense. I mean, what's the point of having a financial coach in your life giving you advice and guidance if you're going to be right about everything? So I think it makes a lot of sense that, you know, we're not always going to know 100% what to do. So I talk about some of the statements that you might hear from clients that require you maybe to push back a little bit because the customer isn't always right. Let's talk about the market. We've certainly seen uh, this a lot this year in 2021. Uh, in 2020, look at me, wishfully thinking it's 2021 already. Now is the time to get out of the market. Heard a lot of people saying that kind of near the beginning of the pandemic or, you know, after it, the market had already crashed in some cases. Or the converse, now's the time to get back into the market. You hear that all the time, don't you? Yeah. And, you know, the people try to, they, they have this feeling that they're coming from their 401k world and especially after they have that March hit and they, and they, and for a lot of people, right, they just transitioned to retirement. So the stress level is a little bit higher up because you're now depending on this money and boom, you know, and I had a conversation with, with a, with a prospect who had lost 45% March and I should, you know, I don't know what to do. I, I got to, I'm, I just moved to cash. I can't lose any more money. And, you know, that we've talked about this time and time again, you have to have a plan. You have to have a plan for these bad times. And, you know, people will try to time the market in two cents. Number one, out of complete panic, as in this case, I can't lose any more money. And not understanding that, you know, the pundits don't talk about this on, on the news and the fundamentals that the best days are followed by the the best days often follow the worst days. And that was evident again, right? We had the worst March in market history. And then we had April, which was one of the best months in market history. And people out of fear go to cash because they just can't stomach losing it. But then on the flip side, you also get people who say, listen, oh, the, you know, the market's, you know, now, now is the time to sell. Well, why is that? Well, because the markets are at all-time high. Well, the markets have been at all-time highs throughout history, right? The Dow used to only be at 6,000, and the market high used to be at 12,000, and then it was at 20,000, right? What if you would have gotten out when you, you know, the Dow crossed the 20,000? 
Well, then when do you get back in? So you get that a lot. I tell people, listen, and this isn't my opinion. This is this came straight from when I was at a conference with you know Nobel Prize winning economist Robert Schiller. The only asset class, and this is also backed up by other uh, famed economists like Jeremy Siegel, the only asset class guaranteed to lose money over time is cash. So what you have to do is you have to be invested for the long term. You have to understand that short-term volatility and short-term peaks in the market are just that. The, the market is going to ebb and flow, but you have to stay in the market. Now, if you're coming from the 401k world and you have, you know, luckily, you know, perhaps maybe you're one of those people that retired in the last quarter of 2019 when the markets were real nice and high and you came to a retirement advisor. And I say this because there is a big difference between a retirement advisor and accumulation advisor on several fronts. And that retirement advisor said to you, listen, now is the time to lock in some of those gains. And we're now going to put you in a more conservative, more applicable situation for your new life in retirement. That's where I could agree with sometime is, hey, you know, you're not getting out of the market, but you're retooling your asset allocation to be in line with your values and your new place in life, which is retirement, about your distribution, not accumulation. It's about preserving and keeping your wealth not growing your wealth. So that's kind of where I would only do the spin on now is the time to get out of the market. You know, now is just the time mostly because you're now, your situation is completely different to transition to a different investment model. So many different nuances to think about, and that's why you can't just sort of go on that gut feeling of going to hop in, going to hop out. That's where you get in trouble and so many people go wrong when they try to do it on their own or think they're always right in those cases. Another area where we see the customer not always right is when they say things like, you know what, this is what I want to invest in. I just need you to pick the exact funds for me. Why might that be a situation where the customer really isn't right in that line of thinking? Uh, you know, I think that could be more of where they're getting their information from. I hear that a lot more from people that are do-it-yourselfers because the do-it-yourselfer is going to, what from my experience, they're, they're a little bit more in tune, right? They're, they're reading the Money Magazine or they're watching CNBC or Fox Business or Susie Orman or Dave Ramsey, and they're listening. They're, they're doing their, their due diligence and they're, they're listening to more of the pundits, but Again, it, it goes to those pundits are speaking generally, and they're speaking to general investors, not so much retirees. So I will, I will tell some, you know, some of my clients will contact me and say, "Hey, listen, I, I really like this stock. Can I invest in?" And and we'll have our analysts run in. We'll say, "Listen, it's it's a strong buy or it's a strong sell. Do you still want to do this? Why do you want this?" And some of them will just say, hey, I, I really believe this is the case. And if they want a certain stock or whatnot, we'll say, okay, well, 
we'll go ahead and do that. We're just going to do a small portion. We don't want to overweight. We want to keep the fundamentals there. And this is going to be in your late-term growth. And you have to be willing to accept that you could lose 90% of the value because stocks can do that. And we, of course, document that. That's kind of where I get people saying that's what I want to invest in. I don't get you know other people saying, yeah, I, I want to invest in the S&P 500 you, you select. I think most people that I talk to are either looking for confirmation that they've done a good job investing, right? They will, hey, you, you're a financial advisor. I want, I want your opinion on this. And they want that, that confirmation bias, right? That pat on the shoulder. You've done great. Other than that, the, the other people that are coming to me, they're just looking for a model that, you know, they understand the risks. They've, they've often either listened to one of our webinars, they've had conversations with our clients who referred them over to us, or they were to one of our classes or workshops. And they, after that workshop, they realized, wow, th these are things I never even thought of. And they just are basically coming saying, listen, these are my values. It's not based around a certain product or a certain stock or a certain asset like gold or, or S&P 500. It's like their shift goes from these, this is what I want to achieve. And, you know, for the last half of this year, I've been in a master's level accredit accreditation course. It's called the RMA Retirement Management Advisor course. And it's geared towards seasoned retirement planners who are achieving master level planning. And one of the great things that they say is that in retirement, one area that's extremely different from your accumulation is in accumulation, you can say, I have these expectations. I, I want to earn 6 to 7%. I'm going to be more aggressive. In retirement, expectations are seen as hope and prayers. I hope I get 7%. I pray that I get 7%. But it's not an outcome because you're not going to get 7% every year. You're not going to get 8% every year. Yeah, you might have a year where you get double digits, and then you might have a year like March where I saw not my clients because we were more focused on outcomes, but prospects who lost 30 or 40% and were stressed out of their mind. In retirement, it's not about expectations. It's about outcomes and designing an investment plan that is based on your values and the outcomes you want. So that's kind of where more of our conversations go towards. Hope is not a plan, and it is good to be reminded of that from time to time. Hope is not a bad thing. It's just not your plan. Uh, make sure you're building it on something else to get you to and through retirement especially. Uh, the customer isn't always right. Another way that that sentence might sound like when somebody comes into your office, John, and, and by the way, we're not picking picking at particular clients on today's show or, or trying to throw anybody under the bus. This is just to say that we all kind of come to the table sometimes thinking we're right in many different things in life. And sometimes it's good to step back and say, you know what, maybe maybe I'm not right on this. Maybe I should listen to somebody else's guidance or advice. And it'll sound like this a lot of the time. Okay. You know, no, I don't really want to spend money, John, on blank. 
I don't really need to spend money on blank. And that blank could be anything. Like they've just already kind of made up their mind before the plan's in place that, you know, I don't know, a will, a trust, life insurance, disability, long-term care coverage, that kind of thing. Right. And, you know, I, I agree. It's We're not picking on anybody. But, you know, and, and even really, you know, we kind of pick that, that topic. The customer isn't always right. But it's really, you know, a lot of people – Again, it's kind of going where are they getting their knowledge from? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I've heard it all in the last eight years, right? I've I've heard the TV pundits say this, or I've heard my friends say this, or my cousins say this. I've heard it. You know, it's where people are getting their information from that formulates that opinion. I think you know politics is a is a great example of this. I think everybody in this nation would completely agree that, you know, for the last three years, if you watched uh, CNN versus Fox or OAN or MSNBC, that you were getting two completely different storylines and building your opinions based on that information. So, you know, people will come in with these ideas and it's my job not to say, no, you're, you're wrong. It's really to help them understand why you know and that's a question i always ask them well why do you think that you don't need a will or a trust or life insurance or long-term care why you can get get where they're coming from get their backstory and then from there say well okay this is i understand you want life insurance but you have you know uh, a wife and you don't have a whole lot of other assets. You're 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 pension heavy, and if something happens to you, that pension goes away. Your wife, what what do you want your wife or your husband life to be after that? Because what you're describing and the reality aren't lining up. So you may need life insurance for this. Uh, you know, especially for younger people, right? What if Something happened to me. I don't want my wife not to be able to provide for and give my two kids a good life. So I bought a lot of life insurance. I understand that. Hopefully I will never need a part of that life insurance because I have a mixture of permanent and term. But that's you know the cost of, of having a family and, and the responsibility of, of being a parent of uh, your kids. When it comes to wills and trusts, I, I tell people, listen, do you do you have faith in your government, your state? Right? We talked about this in the headline. Do you have faith in the state of California to correctly divvy up your estate exactly how you want it? I don't I don't want them making decisions on how my money's going to go. I don't want my estate to be interstate, which means the government's choosing where your money's going to go. So have a will at least to be able to dictate who's going to, you know, take care of potentially your kids or or your money. And then beyond that, do you, you know, why don't you want to trust? Why well, don't I don't want to spend $3,000 on a trust. Well, you do understand that a will for a lot of your assets, it's going to go through probate and probate is going to be, you know, 
may cost you twenty, twenty-five, thirty thousand dollars. It's still your money that's going to go to the courts. So, and it's going to be public record, and that will may not pay out for nine to thirteen or fourteen months or longer, versus a trust or a correctly completed beneficiary document that could avoid that. You know, so when you start to tell people, listen, everything has a pros and a con, right? But when you really try to educate people, I think that's when, you know, they start to, to understand, okay, well, hey, here, let, let me show you your retirement with premiums for a long-term care. And let me show your retirement without premiums, but a three-year stay in a skilled nursing slash assisted living or home health care and the two outcomes. And you can't say that it's not going to happen to you because it happens to a lot of people. Now, if you don't want long-term care insurance, then you have to understand that we're going to have to carve off maybe four or $500,000, whatever it is. We're going to have to carve that money off and we're going to have to put that in a side account that is simply just for that and hope that money keeps up with inflation because that's what you're going to pay for your long-term care for Either way, you have to have a plan for it. So that's my take on, on you know, when people talk about those items. Yeah, I think that's huge. And, and that's why you can't go into the planning process with those, you know, conclusions already made about particular products. Because until you really have the plan, you might not really know what tools you need to accomplish all the goals that you have. I'm sure you've heard this before, John, or maybe the opposite of it. It's fine that the returns aren't very good because, hey, at least the fees in my portfolio are low. But you also hear the opposite of that. This investment is doing great, but the fees, you know, they're too high. And so I don't like it. A lot of people kind of have that uh, the value meter is broken a little bit, right? Yeah, I would probably say if anything, I've heard, you know, prospects more talk about the importance of the low fees. And, and I'll agree, right? I mean, fees are their costs to your retirement. I think that if you have to go well beyond just returns, though, if you're going to talk about costs, because there have been plenty of people who I've, I've looked at and said, you know, you're upset at a 1% fee that your current advisor is charging you and the portfolio really isn't too well constructed. And if that's if you don't want to pay more than 1%, you're not going to get true planning. I'll be very honest with you because, you know, the 1% is just going to pretty much be investments. And here we are. We're not going to go on, you know, I, I don't charge 1%. You know, we charge at one5 and we go down. But that includes if you're an existing client the planning, the tax management, all this other stuff that goes with it. There's there's what we call retirement gamma. There's the the value of the plan. You know, and if if you're really, you know, and I've told people this, this and if you if you're really caught up in fees and the investment returns, I would just honestly suggest you go and do your own Vanguard account. And, you know, do your your homework on diversification there. You'll pay maybe a quarter percent. And the other thing I do tell people with fees is you have to understand that you may think you're paying low fees, but you're dealing with a broker that's getting commissions and who's paying those commissions. You are, right? This is an A share or a B share 
mutual fund and the 12B1 fees. Oh, and this fund has high expense costs or expense ratios. That's all coming out of your bottom line. So while maybe a 1% fee, are you taking into account all these other costs versus something like what what our firm Brookstone Capital Management, who I work with, we have a wrap. It's everything is all inclusive. There are no commissions. You know, it, the wrap fee includes the custodian, the trades, and all that. Though, you know, all other costs that may not have been accounted for with just that simple one percent fee. I think that's big. That's really big. Is putting all those things into the right perspective, and that's ultimately what all of this is about. One last example, and then I'll think we've will have uh, beaten this over the head a little bit, John. The customer isn't always right. When they come in with kind of the impression or the attitude that, you know what, my accounts are down at this moment, and so I really don't think that the plan is working. This is like one of those deadly sins of retirement planning where you don't give your plan enough time to work out. Yeah, and I, I've told people this in my classes, I've, and I've had this conversation, you know, being very real with clients where I've actually brought it to them that, you know, I've, I've made a, a statement and a couple of my clients will joke about it every now and then they call it my famous investment statement that really investing for a lot of it is based on two very complex things. And that is timing and luck. And, you know, it's something that a lot of people, oh, they don't take too seriously, but it's very, very true. And, you know, I, I had clients that became clients in the middle of June or in the middle of 2018. And I've had clients that became clients in 2016 and 2017. And, you know, their, their portfolios, you know, they're, they're both diversified. They're both based on their values. And, the, and I'll even say that their, their risk tolerance levels are similar, right? Trying to give a, a very apples to apples. Their, their, their investment portfolios are constructed differently to their own, but they're, they have very similar characteristics. But the overwhelming difference between client A and client B is client A, by the luck of God, they became a client in 2016 when the market was up and, and in 2017 when the market was up. And then in 2018, okay, we had a little bit of a pullback, but then in 2019, the market was way up. 2020, we started with a little bit of a pullback, but again, we're up again in 2020. Versus clients that became clients in 2018, in middle of 2018, what happened? The market, not our accounts, but the S&P 500 itself from July through December was down 18%. You know, those are your first six months. I don't, I'm not Harry Potter and Warren Buffett wrapped up into one. I don't have a magic crystal ball. You know, you're going to lose money when the markets are down. That's, I think that's, I think everybody can agree on that. But you just so happen to become a client at this point in time. Now, we didn't lose you any we didn't lose you more money than you were willing to lose because as we've talked about our plans are always based on what are you willing to lose. So they're always within that losing threshold that they accepted when we were developing their plan and, and helping uh, collaborate the plan with them. Then in 2019, boom, we bounced back. Things were good. And then all of a sudden in 2020, again, we take that another shot across the bow. Now, those clients, because of the way we communicate and we develop the plan, 
we and the way we communicated throughout some of these crises, they understood and they knew that we would be proactive and and have those conversations. So they were able to stay the course and they're happy clients. But my point here is if you looked at their average rates of return versus a client that could have been in the same type of investments or similar investments that were two years earlier than them, they're completely different. And what's the only difference? The planning was the same. A lot of the similar investment models, similar risk tolerance. It's just one happened to become a client two years earlier during a better market than client B. You see the big differences there. Yeah, yeah. And you know, and, and some of the people, you know, they'll come in with advisors, yeah, you know, my advisor's not getting good returns and you know, and I look at the S P five hundred is up thirty percent, I'm only up seven. But during our discovery, they're they're telling me I don't want to lose anything. I don't want, you know, and they're ultra conservative people. And that's where, as an advisor, it's very important, especially when I'm setting parameters with my clients. And listen, you know, with all due respect to your other advisor, and I wasn't in on those meetings, but if you're communicating a lot of this same information to me that or to them that you did to me, you know, seven percent, eight percent return, even in this environment, is that's that's a very that's very compatible with what you're telling me. That that should be an expectation. You can't expect to earn thirty percent and never lose. You know, more than two or three percent. That's just not how investments work. If you're if you want to be out in those twenty five thirty percent you know, gains, you're going to have to be willing to accept double digit losses. And we need to remember that it's what you're willing to lose, not what you want to gain. That's more important. And so I think that's where you kind of get some people that be like, I see where you're coming from. And then you get some people that say, well, no, I don't. And, and of course, you know, as the advisor, then I start to, I start to go, well, maybe this person's not just a good fit for me. I don't think you know, where our planning is going to mesh with them. And that's a very important thing. You you must, you know, the customer isn't always right. But I think that if you design a plan that you feel comfortable with as the advisor and the client feels comfortable with, and they understand the pros and the cons, that there are certain things that you are able to control, such as income flooring and in long-term care. You can't control the markets, but you can at least give them the analytics to understand that, hey, you have too much risk that you can't stomach. I think once you draw that whole plan out and they can see where the ebbs and flows of everything are, that I think that the customer then has the, the ability to, to hold the advisor, you know, accountable to, hey, listen, you know, I didn't, you told me, you know, nothing was a guarantee, but I was expecting maybe to only lose 7 or 8%. Now, if they lost 12%, I'd be like, come on, it's, it's a couple percentage points. But I think the client, if they're telling you, listen, I, I was only losing, I, explicitly told you and it was in your plan that I only wanted to lose seven to eight percent I lost 30 then yeah you've got some you've got a, a a great gripe there as 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 the client and the advisor has to really 
should be a, should have already been proactively going, hey, what what's going on here? Why are these investments performing so poorly? Um, but out, outside of that, I think it's that initial communication and understanding and focusing more on the outcomes versus the expectations that will help the plan survive good and bad times. So many good things to think about on today's show. The customer isn't always right. That doesn't mean to say that uh, there aren't some things that you will be right about, but let's make sure that we are taking the advice of the professionals. And in this case, if you meet with John, make sure you go in with an open mind because so many people block themselves off to a great, solid, strategic financial plan because of preconceived notions and those kinds of things or letting emotions get in the way. Whatever the case may be, we covered a lot of different angles on today's show of just how that plays out and happens. So if you have not gone through any sort of formal financial planning before and you have done a good job of saving for retirement and would like to go through that process for the first time, John is certainly there for you. You can also, if you've gone through retirement planning before but not quite sure if your plan is built to last as long as you do or you have any questions about the process, John, happy to talk with you in that situation as well. Reach out if you want to have a complimentary conversation about your plan at 858-935-6210. It's Holistic Retirement Planning with San Diego's premier holistic advisor, 858-935-6210. And you can also go online, of course, to gosecurus.com. That's gosecurus.com. And we'll put the contact information, as we always do, in the description or the show notes section of today's show. So be sure to go and check that out there. That's our main topic of the day. The customer isn't always right. Hope you learned something new. Don't ever hesitate to reach out with your thoughts and your feedback. We look forward to hearing from you if you have any to share. It's getting to know you time. Well, it's time to get to know John Amarino a little bit better on today's show. And a fun question for you this time around, John. Let's talk karaoke. What is your go-to karaoke song? This could also be a hypothetical if you actually have never done karaoke and have no plans of doing karaoke. <laughs> oh, no, no. My go-to karaoke song, and it kind of goes back to you know uh, uh, my best friend who died, Sean. It started years ago. Uh, at the river, we had uh, we had a long day at the river and had had enough cocktails to work up uh, the courage to do karaoke at our at our campsite, and we started singing uh, "Dirt Road Anthem" by Jason Aldean, and it was uh, it was actually recorded on video, and <laughs> it started out with my my good buddy Sean and uh, another friend Daryl and I and. Just three, three, uh, three guys that had enough drinks to have a good time, and I think we were karaokeing with, with a beer can and a broomstick and whatever else we could find. So that was my, that's my go-to karaoke, just for the the great memories. That's nice. Uh, maybe a little air guitar thrown in there, something like that, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, and and that's where the broomstick came in. That was the broomstick. That was, and okay. that was Sean's part. He loved the air guitar. Yep. That's awesome. Too funny. I would say um, Michael Bublé's Feeling Good would probably be my choice if I were to. Uh, I don't know if it'll ever happen. I hope it doesn't have to happen that way. I only only sing in private. <laughs> yeah, every, that's, uh, that sounds like a hard, 
I mean, Michael Buble, that's that's kind of dealing with some pitching. And oh, yeah, I would sound terrible. Absolutely. Or I would just take the very low register version of the of the song, you know, just the <laughs> just the bass lines and not try to do anything fancy. Um, or I would just go crazy and people would people's ears would start bleeding. That would be the other consequence of that. <laughs> sounds like neither of us are uh, very big on the karaoke front, but hey, at least we've got our songs picked out if we ever are called upon to do so. Uh, too funny. Right. Well, there you go. Getting to know John a little bit better on today's show. Now it's time for our quote of the month. And uh, this is a good one. This one comes to us from Jonathan Clements. And uh, Jonathan says, Retirement is like a long vacation in Las Vegas. The goal is to enjoy it to the fullest, but not so fully that you run out of money. Pretty apropos, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what every uh, retirement study would show you, right? People want to want the uh the golden years but they're petrified to run out of money and i i, I mean i i love the quote just because it it retirement is like las vegas but i always use the sense of, again going back to the investments it's anyone who goes to las vegas with the expectation i'm gonna win five or ten thousand dollars this weekend you're you know that's a, a dangerous game to play you have to go to to, to las vegas and say hey listen i'm I understand what Las Vegas is. It's entertainment. I understand that gambling is. There's a good chance I can going to pay for all those free drinks that are coming to my table by, you know, gambling losses and how much I'm willing to lose. And if you sit here and say, "Listen, I'm going to go Las Vegas. I'm going to set aside a thousand dollars to lose for gambling," and you know, you you know your outcome. You're fine with it. You'll you'll make your way through the weekend. You're not going to have any heartache. No one, of course, likes losing money, but you you have that reasonable outcome. And you know maybe you won five hundred bucks, then you're you're out ahead. So that's a, I kind of like that. I I like the the fact that yes, you want to enjoy Vegas, but Vegas is very expensive. So you can't uh, you can't be stupid with your money out there, or you you will run out of money. Yeah, we don't want that to happen. That is not not a good result. So make sure that you are being careful with your finances. But retirement's also like Vegas in that it can be a lot of fun. So plan for the trip properly so that you can maximize the most out of it, not regret it afterward. Um, all right, time to answer one of our listener questions as we get ready to the, the last listener question of 2020. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. All right, this uh, final question of the year comes to us from Diane in Scripps Ranch. Diane says, because of some past medical issues, I've been told that I won't be able to get long-term care insurance. Do I just need to go figure out how to self-insure? Yeah, Diane, I mean, if there are alternatives, you know, if if you could not get the traditional long-term care, you could, you know, potentially look into a life insurance with a long-term care waiver because, you know, some people might have a physical ailment like a hip or a back or in, in a long-term care company might say, oh, listen, you're going to end up in a facility with some probably physical ailment. We're not going to cover you. But on the flip side, uh, life insurance, you're healthy. You're, you're not going to, you know, according to their tests, you're not going to die anytime soon. So they may say, hey, we're going to give you a long-term care waiver, which is actually a, it's, it's a very affordable waiver. 
And if something happens to you and you qualify with the two of the six activities of daily living that typically trigger a lot of long-term care policies, we'll just accelerate the death benefit to you. So if you had a $400,000 death benefit and long-term care waiver and you had $300,000 in long-term care costs, they'll take the $300,000 from your death benefit. They'll accelerate it to you and you can pay for your long-term care that way. This, you know, this isn't for everybody. That can be an expensive option because you do have to buy permanent life insurance. So, you know, four or five or six hundred thousand dollars, that's going to come with the price tag. But people will choose this option for that reason that you called in or because they like it because if they don't use it, if they don't ever use a long term care, then it passes to them in a death benefit. And another option could be an asset-based long-term care, which is essentially, you know, you're 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 buying another type of uh, of life insurance vehicle, but it's more geared towards a long-term care feature. So those are two other since since you've you've mentioned that you looked into long-term care, those would be two alternatives to the long-term care. Now, if you were just uninsurable across the board then yes, what I would tell you is you have to plan to self-insure and you have to do it immediately. And I would set aside a couple hundred thousand dollars in an account and you have this account simply for funding your long-term care needs. And that account just, just sits off to the side and you don't touch that account, you let that account grow and you want that account to keep up and outpace the cost of what long-term care insurance is. And and hopefully you have the amount of assets to do that because, you know, quite frankly, that could easily be anywhere from three hundred dollars to $700,000, you know, depending on how many years down the road, inflation, and, you know, what type of treatment you needed, skilled nursing, assisted living, home health, for how long. So you don't want to get caught off guard and you don't, you know, if you have that money set aside and you know the other money that you you can plan on living your retirement fully, you know, whether that's, hey, you know, hopefully you're in a situation where if you're underfunded for that or even a little bit constrained that you could say, well, I'm going to work an extra year or two just to have this peace of mind. Um, and hopefully you've you're in a position to make those decisions now when it's much easier. You may not like them, but it's an easier decision to make to fortify your future. It's a good lesson to learn and probably to close with on this year, John, being that there's always another way that we can accomplish whatever your goals are in retirement, or at least there are often other ways to accomplish a goal. Plans B and C, alternatives, other ways to, you know, slice the uh, slice the cake. And I think that's really important to remember, and it's a great question, Diane. Really appreciate you sending that one in to us. If you have any questions you want it featured on the show, you can go to gosecurus.com to submit that, and we'll, we'll only feature it if it's uh, something you want to give permission on, and we can change your name and, you know, all that sorts of stuff like that. But if you want to just get in touch with John directly and have a one-on-one conversation, you can do that as well. gosecurus.com or 858 935 
6210 if you want to get some questions answered and uh, bounce some ideas off of John and talk a little bit about potentially putting together a plan. We'll put the contact information in the description of today's show as well. John, that's going to wrap up 2020 for us, my friend, at least in terms of the podcast world. Any parting thoughts for us as we end this year and look forward to 2021? Now I think, Galen Walter, this is our second year of the podcast. I've I've enjoyed doing it. I've uh, learned a lot about podcasting from you, and I'm looking forward to a uh, another great year, adding some new listeners, and I hope everyone that's listening has a uh, great holidays, whether you're celebrating Hanukkah or a Merry Christmas. Hope you're able to spend some uh, good family time. And yeah, I know 2020 has been a, a heck of a, a ride. I, I know we've had it uh, both on a personal and a, and a business. We've had losses and we've dealt with COVID. But, you know, in the end, uh, Walter, I think you'd, you'd agree that we're still truly blessed. I'm, I'm truly blessed uh, to still have a successful business, a healthy family. And, you know, here this week, we'll be celebrating Jake's eighth birthday already. So happy birthday, buddy, and uh, we're going to have a great Christmas, and we're going to have a great New Year. We're going to go camping, and uh, then we'll start the ball, the ground running in 2021. So I want to wish everybody happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, and a safe and happy New Year. Well said. We'll leave it at that. Absolutely. Looking forward to turning the page to 2021 with you as well, John. And uh, be sure to come back and join us on new podcasts all coming up for you in the new year so check back in with us uh, here in just a couple of weeks and we'll be right back at it on the retire happy podcast for john amarino i'm walter storholt we'll talk to you again soon investment advisory services offered through brookstone capital management llc bcm a registered investment advisor bcm and securus financial are independent of each other insurance products and services are not offered through bcm but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents the opinions expressed by john amarino and guests on this radio show are their own and are based upon information considered reliable although it should not be relied upon as such any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. Any strategies mentioned may not be suitable for everyone. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. Before acting on any information mentioned, please consult with a qualified tax or investment advisor to determine if it is suitable for your specific situation. This program is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with regard to subject covered.